I'm thrilled um, to be wrapping up our series one. And so as we wrap up this series, our central theme, uh, or the central theme of Ephesians, the, the book that we've been working through, is God's restoration of all things and the church's place in that. Now thus far, we've, we've mostly been talking about the church's place in that, but I want to tie those things together a little bit more today. So the, the restoration of all things and the church's place in that, the call to unity in the church. So I want to tie those together today. So we'll start with Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, the picture of oneness, our kind of theme scripture for this series, and, and it's up there on the screen for you, I think. As a prisoner for the Lord... Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So thus far, we're in week four, so you can see the words there. You can follow along and know where we're at. But, but so far, we've talked about one body, that we are called to be the unified body of Christ. We talked about one hope, the hope that God's kingdom is coming, and we have hope in that, and we have peace in that, and we have excitement in that. We talked about one faith. The idea that we are called to live Christ-like lives, that we are called to be different and have faith, and that leads to change in our lives. And now today, we're going to be looking at verse 6, which says this, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So there are four things there. And I, I want us to work through those four things today. There's four things. The one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So we're going to make our way through those four things. And, and I just want to say this. As we wrap up this series, I think it's very appropriate that we talk about one God. Because one God is what brings this all together. And so we'll start right here. Number one, one God and Father of all. What does that mean? One God and Father of all. God created all of this. Everything was created by one God. It doesn't matter what you hear around you on the news, anywhere else. I want you to know that all of this, all of you, everything was created by one God. Now, that has some, some really important implications to us. Uh, last week or the week before, we talked about how we are adopted into sonship, how, how God has allowed us to become, has adopted us as sons and daughters of God. And that's a pretty incredible calling. But today, I want you to understand that this isn't just about us. This isn't just about you being a son or daughter of God. This isn't just about us. God's desire, God's desire is that all of us will be under one God. God's desire is to restore all things. We are all created by the one God and the one Father of all. And so, it's not just about me and you, you and I. It's about everyone. God wants us all to be sons and daughters. That's God's desire. And so, here's the thing. 
Sometimes it's easy to get into this like childlike battle with other people, either people of other faiths or people that see things different than us. And you remember this, when you were kids, you would say, well, my daddy can beat up your daddy. Well, my daddy's better than your daddy. Well, well my daddy does this and your dad, you, did any of you do that? Anyone? All right, my dad couldn't beat up anyone because he would just cry the whole time. Like, he would just stand there and cry as the person beat him up. But I'll tell you what, if he gets you in a bear hug, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. But, but I mean, if, if any of you were there, like, you, you compare, like, well, my, my daddy's better than your daddy, and how often do we do this? Well, my, my, my God, my father, is better than yours. And we get into this, this mentality of, of trying to battle. Well, I've got, I've got good news today for us. Our God, our one God, our one Father is the Father of all. There's no need for us to argue because even people that think differently, God is their creator and their God and their Father, and God wants to bring them and restore them to relationships. So we don't need to get into this squabble of my daddy's bigger than your daddy or my, my God's better than your God. We have one God who is the Father of all. Now, we're all the same in the fact that we are all children of God. Regardless of, of belief, regardless of looks, regardless of, regardless of faith, regardless of all those things, God is the creator of everything, one God, okay? Now, there's some stuff in there. I don't mean to be saying that everybody's okay whether they believe it or not. What I mean to say is we have one God who created all, and is the father of all. And some of you may be sitting here this morning and saying, well, if there's one God who's the father of all, then why do we look so different? And I'm not talking about physical appearance. I'm talking about actions, beliefs, the way, the way we do things. Why are we so different if there's one father of all? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you, your siblings are exactly like you? Raise your hand if your siblings are exactly like you. We laugh about this in my family because my brother and I are very similar in a lot of ways. We're very competitive. We love sports. We, we, we battled a lot growing up because we were competitive and we love sports. But every once in a while, something will happen, and we'll ask ourselves, how do we come from the same parents and are so different? And I don't, I don't mean that as mean to my brother, but sometimes we look at, I just look at him and I'm like, how do we come from the same family? Why do we look so different sometimes? The truth of the matter is there is one God and one Father of all, and we may not look the same, and we may not act the same, and we may be very different sometimes, but we were all created by one God. One God created everything. And so the first point this morning is very important, and that's this. There is one God who is the Father of all. Remember that when you're looking at people that are different than you. Remember that. When you're looking at people that have differences of opinion with you, remember that when you're tempted to look down on others or you're tempted to think, hey, I'm great because I've got God, I'm God's child, but you, eh. There's one God who is the father of all. And I believe that God created all and I believe that God loves all and wants restoration, wants to bring us all into the family. And so be careful when you're looking at others. Number two, it says, one God who is father of all, who is over all. Let's look, let's look at Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. 
God is over all. In verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. All right, I don't know if this is going to be underlined in the screen, but it is in my notes. So listen to this. This is underlined. This is important. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So let me back up. I want you to hear this, okay? Um, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present, but also in the one to come, and not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. One God and Father of all, who is over all, who, is, who has dominion over all, who is sovereign over all, who is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that could possibly be invoked now and forever. There is one God that is over all. That's good news this morning. You should be excited. I am. It says that Jesus was raised to the right hand of God over all those things. Now listen, in today's culture, there isn't much that's universally accepted, is there? I mean, we argue over everything. We argue over facts. We argue over science. We argue over, um, we argue over law. We question institutions. There is nothing that is safe in today's society. Everything is questioned. I mean, we could see a car. We, we see a school bus, and there is that yellow school bus, and then... My mom says, no, that's an orange school bus. Do you guys have that argument at your house, or is that just my family, that the women see orange and the men see yellow when it comes to school buses? Just us? Okay, we're weird. That's cool. Let's move on. We argue over everything. We don't accept anything in our culture today. We debate science. We question law. We scrutinize institutions. We, we question the church. We question marriage. We question education. We question all of it. There's even this ridiculous, ridiculous discussion going on right now, and I can't even believe that we're talking about it, and that's that LeBron James is somehow better than Michael Jordan. Some things are sacred, and LeBron James is not better than Michael Jordan. Settle down with all that. I'm just kidding. Please don't, don't yell at me later. <clears throat> but, but we question everything. Well, something important you need to understand today, some good news today is this. God is over all. God is over all. And it says, not just in the present age, but in the age to come. God is over any power that exists today. God is over any ruler that exists today. God is over any force that exists today. God is over everything. Not just today, but ongoing, forever. There will never be someone that is more powerful than God. That's good news today. 
God is over everything. No matter who tries to question it, no matter what other challengers come, God is over all. That's awesome. Verse 22 says, God has put all things under his feet. No matter who comes against, God is over all. There is no power that can challenge God, and there never will be. Why? Because there is one God and one Father of all, the creator of all. Let's just put this into perspective. Because sometimes I think we fall into the trap of, of thinking that there are things that are bigger than God in our lives. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the situations around us, whether it's the political environment, whether it's stuff going on at work, and it's easy to think that God is not over that. Think about this. I was going to show a video, but honestly, we don't have time to mess with that today, so think about this. Think about your place in this church, okay? So there's probably 500 people in here or so, maybe 600. You're one of those, right? Now think about that in the scope of Westchester, okay? I don't know how many people, someone tell me how many people live in Westchester. 38,000, okay? So 38,000, if that's even what I heard. 38,000, now think of Westchester. Now let's take it back to Cincinnati, and then let's take it back to Ohio, and then let's take it back to the United States, and I'm about to trip. Let's take it back to the earth. And, and so there was this cool video that took it, and it started with the atom, and it zoomed out, and it showed us the scope of everything all the way out to the idea of the universe and the solar systems. And I think about the fact that sometimes we think that something can challenge God in our lives. And then I think, man, I'm just a speck on this planet that's a speck in this galaxy that's a speck in this universe. Our God created. God is over all. I don't care what you face. I don't care what's going on in your life. God is over all. One God is over all. Let's move on. The next thing says, and through all. There is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. What does that mean? I believe it means that God is working through all. Now, this is a tough one. Not only is God over all and sovereign, not only is God the creator, not only is God all powerful, but God is working through all. That means that even the things in your life that seem like complete messes, that means even the things in life that seem like they're totally void of any presence of God, God works through everything. God works through everything. God is working in it all. That means that even when we think everything's going down the drain, God is working. Even when we feel like everything's going wrong, God is working. Let's go back to Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. It says, in him we were chosen, having, be, having, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were, for, who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Do you know what that says? That says that before the beginning of time, before all of this was created, before it all, God had a plan. 
And not a plan, let's make this very clear, this is important today, not a plan to make us happy. God's plan is not about your happiness. Not a plan to make you rich. Not a plan to give us great things. But it says, but a plan to bring unity to everything for the praise of his glory. Let me ask you a question. How many times in Scripture do we see where God works through a complete mess to bring glory to the name of God? How many times in your life have you faced something that seemed like a complete mess and God worked through it and God did things through it and God was working all along to bring praise and glory to his name, to bring about the plan Guess what? The situation in your life that seems hopeless is not void of God. God is working. When you're at the end of your rope, God is working. In the messes that we see all around us, God is working. God is working through all things to the praise of His glory. So we have one God and Father of all who is over all, is working through all, and now the last thing, and is in all. Now this coincides with the earlier statement that God is the Father of all, that God is in all. So this is interesting. I want to look at this two ways. Number one, I want to look at it through the lens of an artist. Think about this. How many of you are fans of art, whether we're talking music or physical, like painting, or, okay, not many of you. You guys, are, you guys really aren't cultured. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> Think of the artists you know. Think of the musicians. Think of the painters. Think of the speakers that you know. Think of everyone that creates something. And think about how all of them put their image into their creation, right? Like there, if you look at a painter, if you look at Picasso, most of his paintings have, the, have his stamp on them. I'm not talking about his signature. I'm talking about they have kind of his soul in them. Think about the musicians that you know. I, I think it's funny, like, you can, you can take a song and you don't know who wrote it, but, or you don't know who sang it, like, it doesn't say so-and-so sang the song, but just by hearing the kind of song and the way it goes, you can feel the imprint of the creator in it. With sermons, you guys have heard me for a little over a year now. And, and I have a way about, like, I pour myself into this, and you guys feel that, and I'm different than other, um, other preachers. And when we create, when we work, when we're, when we're doing art, we, our art reflects us. We pour ourselves into it. And so I believe that God, who created everything, who is the Father of all, I believe that God's imprint, like an artist, like a musician, is all over creation. I believe that what you see around you, I believe that what you see when you walk out of here, I believe that what you see every day is just dripping with God's identity and God's image. God is in his creation. I I was thinking about this. Something that just blows my mind is the growth of children. I've got four of them. I've watched it a bunch. I should know. But last night I was sitting there and I was watching as my fourth son, Jack, who's just a little over a year old, was running. That's a big deal. He's running. He's not stumbling around. He's not walking. Like, he's running now, picking up his feet and running. And I just think, man, 
I was there the day that that boy was born, and he couldn't do anything. And I think about the process of how he starts his cells and, and how he's transformed. And I, and I look at my older boys, and I think, man, how God's imprint is on everything. God's imprint is on you and me. When God creates, God is in it. God is in all things. All creation is dripping with God's handiwork. And so God is in all. I think that means he created all, and all of it reflects God. But there's a second side to that. I think this is talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I think this is talking about the fact that God is actually in us. Ephesians 1, verse 13 to 14 says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, and we're going to hear this word again, to the praise of His glory. When Jesus left earth, when He left His disciples, He said, I'm sending another that will be with you, that will live with you. Here's the thing. We're sitting in a sanctuary, and it's easy to think that God lives in here. It's easy to think that God lives in buildings or the temple in Jerusalem or that God lives on Sundays. The truth of the matter is, God lives in us. If we believe, God comes into us and lives in us. The Holy Spirit comes in and changes us. We talked about that with one faith that God is transforming us. The Creator God that's over all, that's working through all, is in us you. Look around to the people around you. Just look around. Turn around. God is in them. <laughs> God is in you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is in you. That's, come on, lift each other up. God is in you. That's good stuff. When Jesus left his disciples, he sent another, the Holy Spirit, so that God's Spirit dwells within us. As a believer, God is in you. God's not just in a building. God's not just in a temple. God's not just behind a curtain. God isn't this Wizard of Oz thing that you have to approach and do certain ways. God is in you. And so we have one God who is Father over all, who is over all, who is through all, and who is in all, the God that is in you. Now, let me just, we're going to do things a little bit differently right now. We're going to wrap this up a little bit with communion. And I'm not done. I, I want to warn you. This is why I'm telling you this, because I know if we take communion, you think, hey, we got a short sermon today, we're done, and you're going to check out. Don't check out yet, because we're not done. But right now, we're going to stop, and at the end of our one body, one hope, one faith, and one God, we are going to take communion together. I still have some thoughts after, but we want to close this series of oneness, knowing the one God with communion. We're going to share in this together. And here's what's cool. In verse 6, we see that God, there's one God and Father of all. As we take communion this morning, there is one God that we take communion with. There is one God that is present and active in communion. Not a bunch, there's one. There, who is overall, who is totally sovereign, as we take communion this morning, understand that it is this that we celebrate victory over sin and death. 
We have victory because God is over all. Death could not hold Jesus in the tomb because God is over all and Jesus was elevated to the right hand of God where he's over everything now and forever. So as we celebrate communion this morning, we celebrate the one God who is over all and through all, at work in all things. This was a part, the communion meal that we share, Jesus' death on a cross was a part of God's great plan, listen to this, that is still unfolding today and ongoing. God's plan to restore all things. And so as we take communion today, we understand that we are joining in as a part of God's plan. And in all, God's presence is not only visible in creation, but God is dwelling in those who believe. As we take the body and blood of our Lord this morning, understand that God is in you. And so we're going to have the ushers come right now, and, and the bell choir is going to get ready to, pre- to play. And I want you to prepare your heart for communion this morning. As we've worked through one, as we've talked about being one together as a body, as we've talked about our one hope and our one faith, we have one God. And today, as we take communion together, we celebrate that that God has chosen us and has made us a part of his plan to restore everything, Let's, all things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning um, for the opportunity to be together, and, and as, we, as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we hold these elements as they're passed around to us, Father, I just pray that you would cement in our hearts the idea that we are called to be one. We are called to be one and have one body and one hope and one faith, and we are called all those things because you are one God that's over all and through all and in all. Father, as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I pray that you would dwell in us, that you would come in us, and that you would make us one. We love you, Jesus. Amen. This brings us to the close of the series one, and I think it's important that we close out this series the right way. And and so this brings us to the close. We've talked about one body, we've talked about one hope, we've talked about one faith, and we've talked about one God. Paul is calling the church to unity in the one God. But I think it's important for us to understand the context of the letter of, to, the, to the church in Ephesus and beyond. I think it's important that we understand the context in which Paul is calling the church to unity. It's not just that Paul wants us to become a nice country club where everybody's happy and we take care of each other and there's a world outside that's not allowed in. It's not that this is just about us getting along and being happy inside the walls of the church and being this nice little club. That's not what this oneness is about. There's a bigger purpose to the unity that Paul calls us to, and we see it in Ephesians chapter 3. Because there's one God, we have an important job. Ephesians 3, 7 through 13 says... I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And listen to this. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now... 
through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach, approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are, for, which are your glory. Listen. Paul is writing this not to to form a country club where we take care of each other and we shut the world out and we're all good. Paul is writing this because the Jewish church was accepting in new people. Paul was spreading the gospel to a new people, the Gentiles. This call to unity is more than just a call for us sitting in here today to be happy with each other. This is a call that we are supposed to bring others in. Paul is calling us to unity. Paul is calling us not just to unity in the fact that that we get along. Paul is calling us to unity in the fact that we become one body together that has one hope and is seeking to be a part of God's redemptive plan. The fact that there is one God means that our calling is that much more important, to be messengers of the one way to salvation. Real quick, why do we need to be one? Because we are a part of God's plan for restoration. Chapter 1, verse 22 says, we are his body, the fullness of him. Chapter 3, verse 10 says that through the church, God would be made known. We are called to be one. Because we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. As the body of Christ, we are not only called to be one, but to be agents of oneness to the world around us. We need to have a heart for the kingdom. I think of Paul as he's writing this. This isn't about everyone just being happy and getting along. This is about God's kingdom coming. Paul is preaching. Paul is teaching. Paul is in jail. Paul is seeking to build the kingdom, to spread the oneness, not just in the church, but beyond. This isn't just about division in the church. This is about the division with the outside. This isn't about getting along with ourselves and battling others. This is about reaching others. This isn't about being standing against others. This is about standing for others. This is about understanding that the one God that is over all and through all and in all is the Father of all and wants to bring us all together as one. If there were many gods, we wouldn't need to worry about this because everyone out there would be okay with their gods. But there's not. There is one God who wants, to quote chapter 1 again, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. Church, as we wrap up this series on Ephesians, on oneness, on unity, we are called to be one body. We're brought together by the one hope that we have. We are living out one faith together, and we are called, empowered, and sent by one God to bring oneness and unity to all things for the praise and glory of God. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of what you're doing. Father, make us one so that we can be agents of oneness to the world around us. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you.